0: To Henry in the year of the primal... Welcome to episode 112 of Agitators Anonymous. I am Alan Averill, the singer in a heavy metal band, talking nonsense and other some such. As you can hear, my voice still has that sexy timbre, if that's the right um, word. As some of you have expressed some variants of concern about my voice and all I can say is stay hydrated, which, you know, you could apply to many things. If you were looking for some life advice from me, that would be in the top five, so I would say that. Stay hydrated. Well, my friends, episode 112, you can support the show for as little as a dollar uh, a month, one of your earth dollars, because I don't really understand the tears. And how that works, either that or I'm too lazy to set it up properly. But um, patreon.com slash Alan Averill. Demos, videos, discussions, all sorts of exciting stuff putting the world to rights. You can go and have a look. The show is sponsored by MetalBlade.com. In North America, use the promo code ALAN. Head over to their mail order web store, and you can use that and get 10% off. All sorts of exciting stuff there. Maybe you need to buy those first couple of Fates Warning vinyl issues. I think you probably do. Well, episode 112, let's get into it. Um, it it's been a while since my last political confession. Um, the idea of leaving that aspect of the podcast alone, for what it was worth, after the lockdown, After the lockdown ended and life began to resemble some semblance of normality, um, was a sort of deliberate choice, I decided to kind of step away from um, a lot of the politics and stuff. I could sense also that um, everyone was worn out, myself included, and I could still say that to some degree. Certainly my vocal cords would seem to be slightly worn out. Um, but, you know, they're connected to the, the brain box, which has also taken a few shots to the head over the last couple of years. So anyway, it seemed to make sense to just lean back into the music, the music industry and the surrounding areas. And as I say, now my word for every podcast is inertia. The sad general sense among people that they were tired of hearing about the World Economic Forum and digital passports and blah, 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 blah. But quite a lot has been happening. I haven't forgotten how much I talked about those things during lockdown. Um, And someone asked me, well, a few people have asked me recently, um, do I regret any of the things that I said? Well, you know, the podcast is called Agitators Anonymous. The clue is in the title. Um, And I said, for the most part, no, to the greater percentage, certainly. uh, No, I don't. I mean, I have said many times on the podcast, nothing is 100%, nothing is black and white in relation to most or any arguments, really. I say that literally about everything. Uh, People accuse me of fence-sitting, and I will tell them that, look, sitting on the fence is a good way to observe both sides. (laughs) Uh, Either piece of the um, scenery on either side, when you sit on the fence, you have a pretty good vantage point, which, of course, infuriates people. Um, But I stand behind my unwillingness to accept the mainstream narrative to just do what you're told and accept um, all of these things without questioning them. Um, You know, the podcast fundamentally supports the concept of liberty and especially free speech, which somehow became a dirty word, and to question everything. And the the idea of question everything um, just seems to me to be the clever thing to do. I mean, regardless of whatever it is, when any walk of life that you're in, to question to question people's motives, to question the financial um, imperatives, to question the power dynamics at play in all of those things, and to just at least wonder. Maybe question is a kind of a strong word for you when you've taken in the idea that everybody who appears on TV with a suit is somehow a professional um, or an expert, how we were told by the experts to do this and to do that. And the idea, of course, I mean, it's Psychology 101. We know clearly that most governments employed um, behavioral psychologists to try and get the message, or shall we say the propaganda, across in order to get people to accept things such as being locked in their house, etc. So I won't um, repent and say that I think some of the things I said were out of order because I think the fallout from the pandemic and the lockdown is still happening and will be happening for a long, long time. This is not, whether it is through wishful thinking on your behalf or anyone's behalf, just in the rearview mirror now and going to recede, I think the the fallout, the repercussions, the political repercussions, um, the precedents that were set are going to fall out for a long, long time. Um, and if anybody thinks they are, as I said, um, gone from your life as much as you may wish it so I do not think that that is true so this podcast is going to be a bit about that some of the things that I've said observed and some things that have been happening lately now of course I would begin this with something of a disclaimer and that disclaimer is as I have always said I don't believe in the absolutism of either one side of the argument and the fact that um, the best laid plans may um, of course fall apart don't always attribute to um, incompetence, you know, or sorry, to malice, what you can to incompetence and the idea that um, in the entire of a society and all of its governments and all of their um, shaking, creaking bureaucracy all moves in lockstep with, for example, the demands of a couple of billionaire technocrats is, you know, difficult, if not impossible. But this is not to say that there are plans and that's what I'm going to discuss within this podcast. Um, And I'm not saying by discussing them that any of them are totally locked in, that they are bound to happen. Again, everybody is looking for hot takes. Everybody wants the absolutism of a perfect soundbite to say he means this. Well, we do not know, of course, what the future holds. So they are merely discussions about plans their observations of some of the things that are happening so with that said let us have a look at some of the things um, that have been happening like I said um, I don't think we as a society or as a culture are out of the woods at all yet in fact I think we are still deep within those woods without a compass one could say the full fallout from the pandemic and lockdown Um, are not going to be fully revealed for a long time as building blocks, crumbling building blocks, fall like a game of Tetris. And we're slowly revealed the plans that the elite have in store for us. A few people, a few close friends, told me, um, you know, they'd seen people complaining about me on forums, saying, I did like his band, but, you know, all the blah, blah, blah that he says, and, you know, all of his opinions like as if that had never happened before in the history of Primordial. If you've ever read an interview with me, I'm not sure what sort of artists they want. And because if you compare bands like ourselves or musicians and the things they say compared to the outrageous things bands who are seen as legends said in the 70s and 80s, it's all pretty tame um, in comparison. It's all pretty small drop in the water kind of stuff. But you know, a couple of people just to irritate me, screen grab the odd thing, um, you know, saying, oh, he's anti this and anti that and he's stuff this and he's pro that. And um, I wish he'd just shut up. Uh, well, I mean, look, well, I mean, look now, you know, which anti word, for example, some people were calling me. Man, of course, this is not true. I never engage with people anymore in forums, but a few pre- a few friends asked politely, well, which parts of the podcast you are, are you referring to? because there are 100 episodes to choose from. must be pretty easy if you've been following them, which, of course, you must do to have an informed opinion, to give me an example, to pinpoint anything in particular, which is, as I said to this person that I was discussing, who was, you know, somewhat, I think, vaguely irate at the general um, atmosphere of the podcast and what it seemed to be is just as usual, just assumptions, other than uh, the general... The general theme seemed to be if you questioned any of the government, state, media, medical narrative, you were framed as either a conspiracy theorist or a fascist. Um, A very handy box for someone to place you in so they never had to consider what you were saying or actually debate you or even listen to you. Um, And this was replicated throughout society from everything from like um, arguments in, in the park to in the pub to at the highest echelons of government. Um, where governments stated this was a reason why they did not have to listen to the public over which they were enacting emergency laws that none of us ever voted for, but I'll get to that. Um, And it was a very handy box for someone to place you in, like I said, so they never had to really consider what you were saying. We handed in our critical thinking, our right to question and debate for, um, you know, we handed in those rights for our own safety. We'll keep you safe our right to um, our own. It was for our own good, we were told. And I think the lockdown and pandemic have set some wheels in motion that are going to be more or less impossible to stop. What previously had no precedence now has precedence, i.e. stay inside to save the world. And I'll get to the broader implications of that as well. In fact, I'll probably get to, or maybe I won't get to. Some of these things, we'll see. And I feel... This precedence will be used again against us for our own good. Um, And as for the words conspiracy theorist, for me at least, if you use those words to engage with someone as an argument, it's just lazy. It's anti-intellectualism. And for the most part, what you're revealing is that you haven't really thought about, considered, studied or even looked into the subject. What you are making a statement about is the person you're debating or the person you're arguing with, as in, I don't really wish to talk to you. So here's a simple put down. Um, Do you have an argument? Have you done the reading, done some background investigation or simply regurgitating a narrative designed to put the people you consider or you are at least told are your enemy in their place? And I think the media did a very great job in making the last few years a binary choice. Were you good? or were you evil which I think is part of the culture wars it's one of the reasons why woke culture itself has all the hallmarks of religious orthodoxy if you if you um, you know if you stand out of line against this um, this orthodoxy you are deemed a heretic so much of it has religious overtones or the undertones are the undertones the overtones of a religious revival in that sense um, whereby the um, deemed um, sort of religious orthodoxy is something you cannot you cannot step out of line with and you certainly can not step out of line with it by questioning it with logic because I mean as we all know any of us um, who've ever talked with somebody who is religious uh, there are elements of the flat earth about all of it in the sense that it's about faith it's about belief and faith and belief when they are opposed by rationality and reason, well, you know, they just generally tend to double down, which is entirely what people do. So, you know, if you've called somebody a conspiracy theorist without really considering what it is that they're talking about, I mean, the original conspiracy theory, who killed JFK, for example, do you know? Do we know? The mafia? Was it the CIA? There are theories. There are conspiracy theories. And there was certainly a conspiracy around that. So... Calling the of those theories around the shooting of John F. Kennedy on Dealey Plaza that morning in Dallas um, a conspiracy theory as a means of shutting down the debate is clearly incorrect, right? Because they are conspiracy theories, but a man still got shot. So I would say consider what the two words really mean. I think that maybe the phrase was simply a mantra repeated by the powers that be throughout forums, throughout the media. Um, like there are weapons of mass destruction in order to invade Iraq, etc. To have this two words and this, this phrase disseminated among the public so as we used it as a, you know, um, a hammer to beat every nail when we argue with each other. Weapons of mass destruction. Did they find any? No. In order to have regular people polarized and fighting each other over issues that both sides should have been questioning. And that is the I suppose, the overriding arch of the podcast, if there is one, is to question everything. Um, Questioning the wisdom and the legitimacy and science um, of lockdown, I mean, it seems to me to be, when something is so huge, so drastic, and affects and impinges on so many people's lives, the idea that you just simply don't question it is insane. And we can clearly see, even by the WHO's own study, um, the lives that the lockdown saved, well, they were minimal and hugely contentious, yet the numbers of people who have died are dying from, will die from. For example, cancers that were not treated because they could not get to see a doctor or get into hospital. Huge. Young people killing themselves. Our state doesn't even really want you to look into the numbers. Senior oncologists across the EU zone warned of the incoming deluge of people um who were, you know, walking around for the last two years with ailments that should have been seen, but were afraid to go into hospital, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What I'm trying to say is that the, every action and its repercussions and actions have drastic implications that should have been taken into account when you tell everybody to stay inside and lock them down for their own safety, or as I would have interpreted it, also as a byproduct of that, take their civil liberties, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now say this to someone who supported lockdown. Hey, explain to me about all these other elements, And they awkwardly shuffle and say, well, they had no choice. Well, of course they had a choice. Sweden had a choice. Um, and I would say, you know, look at the statistics about that. However, there was certainly a choice. But everyone fell lockstep in line with this um, sort of fear, the propaganda porn of fear. Anyway, what I do want to talk about is some things that are back in the news and something that is often incorrectly called a conspiracy theory. And that is the World Economic Forum, um, who have been meeting in Davos in Switzerland. If you've been following, for example, Russell Brand's channel, many channels. In fact, their own channel. You don't need um, to be told by somebody that this is a sort of a right-wing talking point or a conspiracy theory. They have their own YouTube channel. They have their own website. You can watch. They put up their own videos, there's no secret um, camera work, there's no investigative journalism, it's just there, you can go and talk about it and 1500 or so uh, private jets from around the world arrive to Davos to discuss your future Um, and you know, these are the richest people in the world billionaires, technocrats, governmental institutions, they are um, I suppose think tanks about the, you know climate think tanks mainly this was formed in the 19, 1971, I think, by um, Klaus Schwab as a kind of, um, you know, billionaire's getaway, which morphed into what it is now. And these, to say that they don't have influence over the world and it's a conspiracy theory is just nonsense because these are the most rich, the most powerful people in the world who are meeting, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and again, people call it a conspiracy theory, I think, without really even clicking on their website. You will own nothing and you will be happy. The World Economic Forum. Who you say? Well, check their website and check the people who meet there every year. Who could now, well, they could meet once again in person. They don't have to do it on Zoom anymore. Well, thank God for that because I don't know if they wanted to upgrade their Zoom um, to, you know. Zoom now charges you for over half an hour for your Zoom meetings. Oh, how clever that was. Get everyone to use it for free. Well, that's the market, Alan. That's the market. Anyway, check their website. Check the people who meet there every year. Who could, they could now meet once again in person. Um, This many powerful people in one place. Of course, they can influence and shape the world we live in, and they intend to. It's kind of, you know, on their website. So taking a look at some of their recent statements, interviews and clips online, let's try and piece together some kind of agenda we hear about the climate crisis all the time in fact most even i went clicked on the irish times the other day and they have climate crisis as one of their sections it's just a section the same as opinion pieces or culture or music or well they don't seem to have a musical section anymore but you know what i mean um the climate agenda i'm of course i'm no denier or anything any so so anything like this but the reality which I don't hear often said enough, is that the crisis is one that can really only be fixed by industry. And those industry leaders, CEOs and giants, um, are present, for example, at Davos. And they are going to tell you, um, individual in the public, to tighten your belt. As they say, a famous Irish politician, um, Charles Haughey, told the people in the 1980s, you have to tighten your belts while he was swanning around spending millions anyway. Of course he was, which of them aren't. But um, what they have in store is, in my opinion, truly frightening. So you all know about the Chinese social currency system where your interactions with the people around you and the state are more or less marked in terms of good behavior. And let's be clear, subservience to the state. Um, So, you know, just watching a few people talking, Davos is proposing in your future a personal carbon footprint. Um, There is something like this that exists for industry, um, where they can, um, it would seem, buy and sell tokens within industry, um, like sort of carbon um, footprint tokens. So if one comes under their allotted quota, they have an amount to sell to another company who do. Now, I don't know how broadly this exists within the West. I'm sure it certainly doesn't exist in the developing world. However, buying carbon offsets from each other, well, let's be clear, you come out with the same amount of carbon anyway. Um, but what you do, or what I do as an individual in a developed Western country, compared to what a Chinese concrete factory does, makes, let's be honest, little difference. Um, a personal carbon footprint. And the guy explaining it, um, he talks about, We well, talks with glee about, we can include in this how many calories you intake every day. I mean, look, the concept that, um, you know, the pandemic was uh, kind of a bit of a you know, a grand leveler for um, obesity, which I mean, in itself, there is a complex social paradox or conundrum going on there in the sense that we are now told to um, celebrate body diversity, to celebrate um, you know, people being overweight, essentially. Um, Yet um, COVID rifled through the obese in society. I mean, square that circle. However, anyway, so this personal carbon footprint, I mean, you know, you could say it would be quite um, helpful for your average person to know what they were eating, taking into their body, um, and to know that you have taken in X amount of, you know, carbs every day. But you link this then to the potential coming food crisis and who owns all the farmland. And you can connect one small rather dot to another. So what might this personal carbon footprint say to you via your phone this morning? Last night, you had too many units of alcohol. And when you go and try and maybe on Friday, you want to go, I'm going out in the piss on Friday again. Your phone and you try to pay for your something with your phone. It goes, listen, buddy, I think you had enough um, units of alcohol this week. I mean, that sounds outlandish, right? But is it too far from the truth? What is more pertinent, I think, is you cannot book this flight. You've already had your 1.5 flights this year. You cannot take your car and drive to the west of Ireland this morning to go surfing or whatever it was you wanted to do as you've used up all your social credits, i.e. your carbon footprint credits. Please stay inside to save the world, which one could say that's what lockdown was prepping us for. Remember your five-kilometer radius you had during the pandemic? We had that in Dublin. You could not go outside five kilometers. There were cops stopping people walking along the beach. It now takes on a more sinister turn, right? Because you've heard your leaders, some of whom have been schooled at Davos, discussing five-kilometer living, where all you need, they say, is within that limit. Why would you ever need to go anywhere outside that limit? You work there. You play there. You drink there. You eat there. You socialize there. Why would you need to leave your five kilometre radius? Which all kind of suggests to me a weird sort of medieval feudal living, um, which makes sense if you think about the fact that Billionaire technocrats or autocrats seem to be more powerful than states these days. So if you think about um, it, if in medieval times you think about, or let's say even the 17th century, 16th century, you think about the monarchs, the inherited rulers, the rulers of inheritance across Europe and the peasant class. Now, if one thing the pandemic and the lockdown did... I could say it waged a form of war, which is still happening through the cost of living crisis that we're undergoing in the energy crisis, um, which we are um, currently living through, is a kind of war on the middle class, in a sense, squeezing them out and pushing them down, maybe into upper lower class, that kind of thing. And a lot of people are finding it very hard to survive, pay rent, educate their kids. Um, all that kind of thing, and feed themselves. And so what it is is an intense squeezing of the middle class. Now, the middle class, in a sense, was born out of the post-Industrial Revolution um, 18th century, whereby people realized that the machinations of industry could lift them out of poverty. Um, And for the first time, this challenged the rule of the monarchical um, inherited class, the the families who ruled over Europe, so to speak. And this is essentially what Marx talks about in 1948 in the Communist Manifesto. Um, I did promise a podcast about Marx, which I must get around to. It's kind of half finished. But what most people don't really understand about the Communist Manifesto, for example, is it doesn't seek to destroy capitalism. It just wants for the people working within its cogs, within its wheels to take over the reins of um, its industry. Slightly different than destroy, smash capitalism. It doesn't want to do that. It just wants to make a fairer system of that industry. Anyway, but it's written in 1848. Most people think it's written in the end of the 19th century. It's not 1848. Anyway, I've said that five times. It might be 1847, but it's around that time. Anyway, 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 what I'm trying to say, we've been schooled in this concept of five-kilometer living. Why would you need to go anywhere? And the idea of a carbon footprint, is it really too... Um, is it really to tackle climate change or is it a means, a method of controlling your movements? Now, this is up for you to decide because I don't think that this um, car- personal carbon footprint idea, is this going to be implemented around the whole world? Are we going to be telling um, people in South America to cease their movement or India or China? And that is the um, the kind of moral conundrum here because people in the West are so racked with guilt that they were most likely to accept this without really questioning the fact that the real um, issue with climate change is probably something that needs to be addressed in the developing world, uh, whether anybody likes that concept or not. not. However, why would you care if you're in the metaverse living as your avatar? But we'll get to that. So a personal carbon footprint, a personal digital passport, which we already saw, Um, The structure of which was built during the pandemic linked to personal credits, carbon, government, Bitcoin, perhaps. Hmm. Did you put your money into Bitcoin and lose it all? Yeah, it's too complicated for me. I don't really understand exactly what's going on. But is this, as I said, being used to fight climate change or to control you? You decide. You decide. Um, Like I said, the uncomfortable truth is that um, the climate debate should be happening in China, in India in the developing world. What you do in a suburb of Ireland or Denmark or Finland is not really the eye of the storm. Of course, we should all take personal responsibility. um, And I'm not saying there isn't a conversation about it. But in my opinion, it is already being channeled through the industry of Western guilt to accept these new rules or, you know, potentially accept these new rules, which, let's be clear, could massively impact your liberty, your freedom. And when I say a return to some sort of weird feudal living, what I mean by that is that Back in sort of the um, end of the medieval age, people kind of tended to live, work, die within a 10 kilometer radius. Of course, they were surrounded many times by deep forest. And once you were outside the walls of the castle, it could be a very dark and dangerous place. But that could also possibly be happening, right? Anyway, certainly all these emergency powers seized by governments around the world. Did you vote for any of them? Did they get revoked? Do they have sunset clauses, as in, they only last for a certain amount of time? I don't think so. One of the main obstructions to the agenda of Davos or 2030, whatever you want to say, is actually democracy. How will all the unwashed masses accept all of these things? Um, this remains to be seen. If we manage to sell them, sell it to them through, you know, that we are keeping them safe, that we are trying to keep them safe from harm to create a risk-averse society. This is one of the ways that they can do this for you. Personally, I would like to have that choice myself, but certainly the removal of your right to protest is one. Facial recognition of protesters via drones, which can instantly freeze your finances via this digital passport currency system. This would be a very efficient way of doing so, right? No privacy or anonymity in a crowd anymore. As the state identifies everyone protesting and whatever measure it is that they try and um, put upon people and freezes them. Um, Oh, Alan, this sounds outlandish. Does it? Really? One of the biggest signposts to this being a potential reality was what Trudeau did in Canada, freezing the assets of people who had taken part or given money to the trucker protest. Um, And Trudeau, again, recently was on TV talking about disinformation, misinformation, setting up a task force to fight it, calling the truckers once again right wing, of which I see no evidence. And of course, making a binary choice of good and evil in the simple world that is that narrative. And therefore, um, if you call somebody um, essentially evil, then you, or right wing in this sense, you don't, you'd have to can easily just dismiss their claims and not engage them in conversation or debate. And he froze the assets of many people who are taking part in this protest. Now you see how this kind of makes sense um, as governments, as I said, across the world move to curb protests so what could that mean you go out to take part in let's say some form of um, you know protest of which is your democratic right and um, your gps and your facial recognition drones recognize um, where you are at that moment in time and simply your assets your finances have been frozen because you've taken part in an illegal protest does this sound so uh, outlandish not really And he, Trudeau, is a placement of the World Economic Forum. Um, You know, they gloated over their placement of leaders like Trudeau or Macron or I think her name is Crichton in New Zealand. Um, uh, So consider that. I mean, maybe you fundamentally disagree with the truckers in Canada. Fair enough. But the right to protest is one of the most essential rights we have as a society, um, as people. Uh, and so, you know, as I said, the, uh, the attempt to remove this with the aid of unelected tech- technocrats, did you vote for any of those people who were making these decisions? No, you didn't. And as the man says, every government should fear its people, every not the other way around or else what you have is tyranny. Um, so we already know. Um, of many platforms that, for example, kick bands, writers, journalists, creative people off from being able to earn a living for claims of being, for example, right wing, um, and left wing, far left wing in some cases as well. Um, it doesn't just all flow in one direction. But the usual crime, um, the usual crime in the sort of pseudo religious, and I come back to that word again, orthodoxy of this argument is. Good and evil, and that's what we're invited to take part in and to judge things in terms of. Um, I don't know, want to protest the cost of living in six months? Maybe you'll get framed as right-wing, and the cost of living was surely, once upon a time, a left-wing concern. Uh, Who knows how it will get framed? But it could very well be that in six months or nine months or a year's time, this is what might happen. Or what you're saying is hate speech. Um, governments all over the world have been paving the way with their new ministries of miss and disinformation, how Orwellian is that, to go after people accused of hate speech online. So this could most likely go on your digital record, right? Say the wrong thing online. Um, And maybe you ain't going past your five-kilometer radius, miss dissident. Enter Elon Musk. Well, that remains, remains to be seen how that plays out. But I find it incredible that people would line up against his statements that he wants more speech, more free speech. Like I said, foot soldiers for the binary ideology of good and evil have really fully drank the Kool-Aid, not realizing they're creating, they're creating their own gilded cage, which um, is a great phrase, but kind of means that you, from the inside, um, from within a cage, you're, let's say, painting the walls gold or you're making um, things as comfortable as they can be. But a cage is a cage. All in the name of being kept safe, safe from harm of words. Um, Remember, violence is violence, but words, words are violence. Right, well, up to you to decide. Or maybe a protest for women's rights at the statue of Emily Pankhurst. Um, Look her up, one of the original suffragettes, um, one of the original great and righteous feminists, but maybe the local council and police deem you right wing if you go and talk at her statue or maybe you're deemed anti-trans who knows and you get a negative daily score on your social currency system which leads to less travel allowance credits you think i'm joking i could be like i said as i said at this start of this podcast the premise is um these are premises they are um considerations of the way things could possibly go or the whole thing might fall apart who knows because the great reset people have um, they've had a few other great things before. If you look back through their history, they've had a couple of greats of this, that and the other. So to try and be balanced, you kinda of have to say or observe how much of this is actually just a billionaire's talking shop. Um, you know, a kind of glorified jolly, a knees up in um in a very rich country, where they get to rub shoulders and you know, feel great about saving the world. But actually the world's bureaucracy just kind of grinds on and keeps on going and they'll come up with something else great in three or four years. Well, you know, I would accept that as a theory, um, at least to a percentage. But I also think that the pandemic and lockdown changed things and um, altered this vision a little bit more. Like I said, the truth is in the grey area. Um, But one story also caught my attention, and it slots into this Tetris puzzle quite well. In the aftermath of the horrific Uvalde shooting, School shooting in America, a private security and tech firm offered a solution to the school shooter problem, armed drones. Um, Just let that sink in for a moment. And there was a kind of a back story of public outcry of like, hey what? You've been arming drones? And consider it in terms of what we just talked about. Protests, etc. Then look at Boston Dynamics and the robots that they're creating. uh, And people seem to have already seen their dogs, quote unquote, out in the wild roaming areas of the US. Well, California, it would seem. And this comes me to the title of the podcast. Remember RoboCop? Well, is this somehow the future we have? Oh, Alan, come on. Could it really be like that? Hey, hey, hey. As more and more rich people develop gated communities and private security firms, which could appear to be outside the law or who knows, maybe within the law. You want less cops on the street? Try reasoning with a drone. And now an armed drone with facial recognition technology and the ability to assess who you are and instantly freeze your um, assets, to freeze your digital imprint, to freeze your, well, your digital personality, which will be the only um, foot you have within a modern, structured, technocratic society. Well, I don't know. I'm just posing the questions, haven't I? Of course, we know that technology is developed hand in hand with the military-industrial complex, The war in Ukraine. What about the war in Ukraine? I hear you ask. Well, the U.S. recently passed a bill, an emergency bill, I think, for no less than 40 million dollars of aid to Ukraine. But was it to aid to Ukraine? Not really. It was rather to pay Americans, military um, weapons manufacturers to purchase weapons from them for the Ukrainians. So basically it was just paying the American um, military industrial complex. Um, who, let's be honest, are hoping for a protracted proxy war in the Ukraine a la Afghanistan? Uh, while millions of people across the US are dropping below the poverty line, pushed over the edge by the current cost of living crisis, their tax dollars are buying stingers and military hardware for, well, who exactly? Exactly. Monkeypox. Monkeypox, my friends. Didn't really hit the spot, did it? I guess because it wasn't invisible. Um, and I think it's better. Fundamentally, to have an invisible enemy if you want to scare people. Um, However, it would seem Big Pharma happened to have some old stock, some old smallpox stock, um, and it could, thank F, ship this to governments around the world. All you have to do is buy their um, backlog of smallpox vaccine, just in case. Despite, it would seem, the numbers in um, each country being between one and 10. Cases. Anyway, more people are, I have no doubt, killed by the toasters. Well, the toasters. <laughs> um, yes, they're a new religious movement. Um, they want your bread, oh, etc. You can get the pun. Figure out the pun yourself. More people are killed every week by kitchen appliances, is what I'm trying to say. Anyway, who knows? Maybe in the future, those very kitchen appliances will be able to inform on you to the Ministry of Disinformation from your kitchen table. In fact, they probably are. If they, if they call and receive to the internet already, i.e., if your fridge is online, then what's to say that it's not listening to you, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Sounds like I'm being too over the top. Maybe I've drunk the Kool Aid. Hey, hey, hey! I said out the outset what the podcast would be like. Um, you know, the whole thing might fall apart, and it might just be a perfect sweet summer. Um, well, it sounds like I'm being over the top but the Scottish Parliament passed a bill doing exactly that criminalizing hate speech within your own home. Mr. Trudeau must be looking on with envy. Um, and this also comes to the last part of the podcast, which is the idea that we've been sort of, you know, homeschooling. I don't have kids, but any of you who do have told me it's an absolute nightmare um, to try and homeschool kids. But this it fits into um, some plans, These uh, the World Economic Forum's plans, um, how delighted they were that how well it went that people were able to homeschool. In conjunction with Facebook, it seems, through the metaverse, they've been developing um, homeschooling technology, which literally will mean you just have to place a pair of, um, you know, AR goggles over your kid, and they can all interact in a, um, a sort of, you know, um, an interactive schoolroom, but never, actually, leave your home or leave your site. And within that, um, the metaverse, uh, the World Economic Forum, it would seem is, who want to be at the behest of all of this, are developing a climate change or climate crisis, climate strategy textbook, so to speak, in old terms, for your kids to imbibe. Um, Is this what you really want? Unelected technocrats teaching your kids um, and trying to remove social interaction from your kids um, because like I said if you think about the future in 10-20 years the stay inside to save the world ideal it would seem that things like placing your kids within the metaverse to be taught by as I said the unelected technocrats of the world is it's not hard to connect the dots to see how this is all part of the stay inside to save the world ideal which it looks to me like we were somewhat prepped for Um, during lockdown or the pandemic. So you can see it's not hard to connect some of the dots. Um, And, you know, this is where you start the indoctrination. Um, It's where, you know, it's where the Catholic Church, it's where all churches do um, throughout the centuries is try and take over the education of kids to get them young before they're able to question anything. Well, anyway. Or, my friends, the Robocop future, or none of it will happen and I've been a sucker punched by my algorithm and I should get out and enjoy the Irish summer rain. Nothing is absolute, my friends, and that's the point. Sitting on the fence, you're able to look at both sides of the argument. But this particular podcast kind of maybe has got off the fence and taken a few steps into the grubby technocratic wasteland of a dystopian future promised to you under the rubric of keeping you safe. Anyway, my friends, episode 112 of Agitators Anonymous does not want the RoboCop future. Please thank you very much. I'd like to be in control of my own decisions. Um, Anyway, you may call me a this, call me a C U N T, call me whatever you want. But like I said, the premise of the podcast, question everything, question the narrative. um, And to not do so, Marks you out as a fool, in my opinion. Episode 112 of Agitators Anonymous is a spicy meatball. Who knows what might happen? An asteroid might hurt the Earth um, next Wednesday. If it is announced after the podcast comes out that there is an asteroid hurtling toward us, enjoy your weekend. Get out there, do a few shots, etc., etc. Right? Planet Satan over and out, the last transmission.